It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the show. And follow me. Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. If you do not get a question in in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, do not fret. You can do it next week by adding me or DMing me on Twitter at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is sponsored by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe 24/7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com/lockedonnfl to more, learn more today. So the Carolina Panthers will head down I-85 South to face off against the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon. So I have not seen Thursday night football yet. My assumption is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will lose to the Baltimore Ravens, who they host at Raymond James Stadium down in Tampa Bay. On Sunday, the Panthers, of course, will face Atlanta. New Orleans will face off against the Las Vegas Raiders, who were coming off of a win last week. And the Saints will once again be starting Andy Dalton a team that is very banged up right now, that being New Orleans. So I think it's a fairly safe assumption that the Bucs are going to lose on Thursday and the Saints likely going to lose on Sunday hosting the Raiders of Las Vegas. If that is the case, Sunday afternoon's game between the Falcons and the Panthers is for first place in the NFC South. The Panthers already have the tiebreaker through seven weeks over Tampa Bay and over New Orleans, who, of course, they'll play in the final two weeks of the season later on here in 2022, and they'll face off against Atlanta in a couple weeks. But they get that win on Sunday. They will be 3-5 and five on the season, nearly halfway through this 2022 season that we said was lost two weeks ago, and it would be, more importantly, 3-0 and in the division. The vibe all week... And the conversation all week has been about P.J. Walker and how he's going to get to start again. It looks like Steve Wilkes is going to roll P.J. as his guy. We will see if that changes. Wilkes came out on Monday and said, even with Baker and Sam Darnold available, he's sticking with P.J. Walker. If P.J. plays poorly on Sunday and it leads to a loss, do they then go back to Baker or Sam? We'll see. But right now, P.J. is the guy. But the storyline all week outside of that has been, it feels like 2014. This team 
is fully buying in to what the 2014 Carolina Panthers did, where they went 7-8-1, won the division, won a game against the Ryan Lindley-led Arizona Cardinals, and gave the Seattle Seahawks all they could handle in that divisional round game on that Saturday night in Seattle. Al Holcomb, who was here in Carolina at the time, said, we're right in it. We're right where we want to be as far as this team through seven weeks, through Baker Mayfield being terrible, through injuries, through Matt Rule getting fired, getting overtaken in his own home stadium by the 49ers faithful, all of that, all the negativity, they are one game out of first place, and with the win on Sunday, they could be in first place of the NFC South after eight weeks. Who would have seen that coming? I felt like going into the season, the Carolina Panthers would be a playoff team. I felt like 10 wins was attainable. I do not feel like 10 wins at this moment in time is attainable. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not quite sure five or six wins is really attainable for this Carolina Panthers team. I don't want to get ahead of myself and say this is a playoff contender, but because they are in the NFC South, like in 2014, where the Bucs aren't any good and the Saints aren't any good and the Falcons are the Falcons, they're going to be in this thing by default all the way until December and possibly those first two weeks in January when they face off against New Orleans and Tampa Bay both on the road. We'll see how it pans out. The NFC as a whole is very mediocre. The NFL outside of Buffalo and Kansas City and Philadelphia is pretty mediocre. Anybody can beat anybody. We've always known about the any given Sunday, but right now in Carolina, they're feeling good about themselves. And that's what I've been saying all week. Week to week league, narratives change. You feel about a way about a team a week, one week, and the next week, it completely changes. Like they lose on Sunday, we're probably going to be right back to being, all right, this team's no good. Tanking, going to be first round, going to get the number one overall pick, and yada, yada, yada. But currently, as we know, they're not trying to tank. And players and coaches don't tank. The organization can do it by stripping the roster, and they still have until next Tuesday, November 1st at 4 p.m. to ship off more assets. If David Tepper wants to do a major league type uh, um, uh, strip down and tear down of this team, he could do that. He could be like, you know what? Get this guy out of town. Let's get rid of Brian Burns. Let's get rid of DJ Moore. Let's lose so he can get a quarterback. He could do that. I don't think he wants to do that. I don't think he will do that. But things could still change. Right now, they are fully buying into the idea that they could win what looks like the worst division in all the NFL and the NFC South here in 2022. We'll see how that works out because, of course, they need to win on Sunday to then position themselves even further to have an opportunity in the final nine games of the season to possibly do that. And I'm all for it. I would rather talk about a winning football team than a team that's terrible. And I would imagine you, the fan, would also rather hear about a winning football team than a team that is terrible. I know there's plenty of people out there who want them to tank and suck and get whoever at quarterback. As I've stated before, it's not a guarantee just because you're drafting at the top of the draft that you'll take the right quarterback. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, who are on this roster, are case in point of that right here sitting in front of you. That 2018 draft class that had those two guys, Josh Rosen, uh, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson, and what's happened? Three of the five, no good. Allen was highly scrutinized. Lamar Jackson, people were talking about he should be a wide receiver or running back. And those are the two best players 
at the position from that draft class. It's not as simple as you draft one and it works out. The Panthers could have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Mac Jones still the starting quarterback in New England for now, but weird situation going up there. And it's not like Justin Fields, although not in a great situation, has lit things up in Chicago so far. And Trey Lance, haven't seen anything out of him. Zach Wilson looks terrible. Jets are still 5-2. and two. And Trevor Lawrence, doing okay. But the Jaguars aren't winning football games. It's not that simple that you take a quarterback and that you will win. So we'll see. I would rather have a foundation that is based off of having gone to the playoffs and knowing how to win games than being a terrible team that's putting in a rookie quarterback and then hoping that that's going to be the guy, even though you wouldn't find out for probably three or four years whether you drafted the right player or not. You could be right back there three or four years from now trying to draft another quarterback and hoping that they will be the savior here in Carolina. And I hope that's not the case. Just pointing out that rather have winning football right now than hope and pray that they get the draft right coming in April and May of next year. So we'll see how it all pans out. Now, Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, those two guys, as far as injury report, are uh, questionable heading into Sunday. Dante with that ankle that's fired him in the last couple weeks. J.C. Horn's missed back-to-back weeks with a hip issue, so we'll see if they can play. Baker Mayfield, you're wondering what's going on with him. He will be the backup on Sunday. He worked with the scout team uh, Thursday afternoon at practice, and he spoke to the media and said that, hey, I am okay with this. With my situation, P.J.'s worked hard. He played his ass off on Sunday, and I'm going to do whatever I can to support this team and help this team win games. That's exactly what you would hope that he would say. Internally, you know he's got to be disappointed and frustrated that he did not play well this season, his five starts, and that now he's been resigned to be the backup quarterback to a guy who was a fourth stringer back in late July when they headed down to training camp in Spartanburg at Wofford College. So role reversal, big time with Baker and P.J., heading into this Week 8 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. All right, enough of that. Let's get into it. It's Friday, meaning the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers is back. I'll get to your weekly Friday mailbag questions here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. All right, here's a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside of your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month absolutely free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, let's do it. The weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Again, y'all make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where you next week can be a part of the weekly Friday mailbag. If you at me or DM me on Twitter with your weekly Friday mailbag question, we'll start off with Alec, who asked if by a miracle we go to the playoffs and retain Steve Wilkes. Do you think his flaws can be fixed or improved? I feel like he has flaws that people aren't noticing right now because we are terrible, but his mistakes, I feel, will come back to bite us if we were to get good. For example, saving your timeouts for the second half, making boneheaded challenges, and refusing to kick a field goal when our defense is balling out, and instead taking a delay of game penalty and punting into the end zone. Yes, I do think Steve Wilkes' flaws can be improved. Now, experience helps. This is only the 18th game. Now, on Sunday, will be the 19th game that he has coached as the head coach of an NFL team. It takes time to really manage the game. And didn't David Tepper talk about how analytics were going to be a big part of the Carolina Panthers when he came here? They should have someone on staff who helps him to manage the game. You saw in Denver, Nathaniel Hackett, who just was awful early on in the year and still is as far as managing the game he hired a coach to basically coach him to not make mistakes it's being smart enough to understand where your flaws are in your inefficiencies deficiencies to go out there and ask somebody hey please help me out so someone should be alerting Steve Wilkes to whether it's a good or a bad challenge we saw last week one of the challenges clearly wasn't one that was worth going out there and challenging. Now, did it come back to bite Carolina in the ass? No. Could it in the future? Yes, but it did not on Sunday. As far as the field goal situation, the Panthers elected not to attempt a 54-yard field goal there in that first half, and we had seen early on the season that Eddie Pinheiro has made it from 54 yards. So you question, why would they not attempt it in that situation? Steve Wilkes later on after the game. Excuse me. Of course, having to sneeze in the middle of that after the game um, said that he spoke to special teams coordinator Chris Tabor, and they decided that it made more sense to uh, take the penalty and to punt in that situation, which ended up being, I believe, a touchback. So that makes matters worse. But Steve Wilkes, as we've seen so far, he's not an aggressive coach. He said we're going to be aggressive offensively. They threw it down the field that first play. They did way more than they did in week one against the Rams. But as far as like, hey, is he going to gamble on a 50-yard field goal or would he rather punt? He's going to rely on his defense, knowing that the defense is the strength of this team right now, and special teams has also been good, but he's not going to rely, I guess, on Eddie Pinheiro to attempt a 54-yard field goal and potentially give a team like Tampa Bay a short field and an opportunity to get their offense going. That's more what I've seen from Steve Wilkes, more so than flaws. He's just not the most aggressive coach. I've only gotten to see only two games of him as head coach here in Carolina. I did not watch any of the Cardinal games that he coached a couple years ago. So I'll be able to gain more of an understanding of who Steve Wilkes is as a head coach, at least game day coach, moving forward. So I think it's a little bit too early to sit here and to feel some type of way about how Steve Wilkes goes about the game plans. Because we did see against the Rams, the offensive game plan was a joke, and that completely changed when they put more faith in P.J. Walker last week. And I think that will be the expectation, at least should be the expectation moving forward. All right, now over to Jake. Hey, Julian, hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well as well, Jake. Uh, Another question about Steve Wilkes. It seems Steve Wilkes is finding ways to give more opportunities to players on both sides of the ball. In the Bucs game, we saw a lot of new contributors from players we haven't seen a lot from. So, did Matt Rule give younger players slash recent draft picks enough opportunities to succeed during his tenure? For example, Gross Matos, Shai Smith, Terrace Marshall. Um, Look, whenever you're going to have a a coaching change like we've seen, some guys who might have been a priority – under the previous regime of Matt Rule, are unlikely to be a priority now that Steve Wilkes is the head coach. We saw that play out 
with the coaching staff when Wilkes let go of Ed Foley and Phil Snow and elevated his guy Al Holcomb to be the defensive coordinator. You're also seeing that, I guess, play out where they get rid of Robbie Anderson and now players like Terrace Marshall are getting more of an opportunity. And Terrace said that it was his own fault that he wasn't out there early on in the season. That the injuries and just the way that he was performing in practice, that's why he fell behind. But now he's gotten a chance, and we saw I mean, he had that drop on that first play of the game. But yes, but last week on Sunday, made a couple of good plays. So I'm hoping to see more out of Terrace. Shai Smith has gotten plenty of opportunities, and he's done absolutely nothing. You saw he's not reliable as far as returning punts right now. Wilkes is still going to keep him out there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there's no disaster on Sunday that leads to a short field for Atlanta. Uh, also, like Shai's dealt with drops in the past game. I don't really see how he's still considered number two wide receiver. But again, it's not like there's that many better options. And in Gross Mottos, they let Morgan Fox go so that Gross Mottos could start in that position or at that position on the defensive line. And that's really been his own fault that he has not played that well so far this season. So I don't necessarily think that guys are really getting more of an opportunity. We did see with Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman, but that's a product of Christian McCaffrey not being on the field. We saw Bradley Bozeman final. That's a product of Pat Elfline being injured and now out for the rest of the season. So then we'll now see Bradley Bozeman moving forward. So I think it's more circumstance more than anything that like I don't think Rule was like, oh, I'm not going to give these guys an opportunity. Because that's more like a Rivera trait where Ron didn't want to play younger guys. Like Rule was totally fine playing young guys. That's really the bulk of this team so far. All right, let's go over to Colby now, who asks, let's say the Panthers go on to get six to eight wins and have a mid-first-round pick. What do you anticipate them doing at quarterback, trading up, or trying to find a better veteran or stick with a current quarterback? And Dallas also asked a similar question, asking if the rest of the season goes well and we win the division, do we think that? Do you think that the Panthers should trade up for a quarterback or stay where they land in the draft order, keeping all of our picks and draft the best available and let him and Matt Corral compete for the starting job? Good question. I've already said, I want the Panthers to go to the playoffs. I would rather that happen than them be the worst team in the league and have their pick of the litter at top of the draft, especially at the quarterback position. I understand the Carolina Panthers need to identify a quarterback for the long term, and the best way to do that is by drafting one in the first round. So I do agree with that. I also want them to win. So in the event that they win the division, what I want is for the Carolina Panthers to trade up and to draft a quarterback if they feel like there's someone up there that is the right answer for them. If they do not feel that any of the quarterbacks that might be available is the right answer for them, then fine, stay where you are, draft someone else, and then I don't necessarily know where they go with the quarterback position. Like, if they win a division, P.J. Walker will be back next season. He has to be back. I don't know what other options he would get, but I like the idea of P.J. Walker, who at least is a veteran, because you have to have some veteran backup. Matt Corral has never played a game, as we know. And going to next year, he would have never played a game. And I don't even know where Matt Corral will be as far as his rehab with his foot and what kind of competition he could really be uh, for somebody, because it's basically made his rookie year. So I, if the Panthers are in a position where they're in the middle of the draft and they have won the division, yeah, trade up, get your quarterback as long as that's who you believe in. But really, you, you got to find somebody in that first round. So I'm totally fine with them trading up, getting that quarterback, and putting that quarterback on a team that just went to the playoffs. I don't care how you got there, but it's a, it would have been a playoff team. And that's kind of been the whole thing I wanted them to do the whole time is like with Bridgewater. Okay, fine, whatever. Keep Teddy, have him for two, three years. Build the roster. Get the roster to a point where when you put in a rookie quarterback, this team can compete. 
The Panthers did not do that. We read, I read the Jeremy Fowler article. I'm sure you all read it as well of how they tried to cut the corners with so many options, especially guys like Carson Wentz, who they kicked the tires on, and Marcus Mariota and Mitch Trubisky. And, of course, they landed up with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and how they did a terrible job of evaluating. The best path forward is to go up there and trade up for a quarterback, which they could have done in 2020. They could have traded for Justin Herbert, or they could have traded up to get Justin Herbert. And I had never even thought about drafting quarterback at that point in time because they had signed Teddy Bridgewater. I didn't think that was a pressing need right away. Like, hey, build the defense. I had no problem with how they went about it and drafting Derrick Brown, learning more about it and seeing how things have panned out with Justin Herbert. Yeah, you certainly wish they would have done that opposed to using all seven of those picks back in that 2020 draft on defense. But yeah, they win the division. Trade up, get your quarterback. I'm totally fine with that plan. Of course, make sure it's the right guy, the guy that you really believe in. Don't just do it to do it, like last year with Matt Corral. They trade up to get a quarterback just to get a quarterback. Like Get somebody who you actually think is your long-term answer. All right, let's take another quick pause here on the show. When I come back, I'll answer more of your weekly, your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or how small. Y'all, there's never a bad time to go out there and find someone to talk to to help you in your everyday life. It's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime you want. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get one hundred to get ten percent off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, let's uh, answer more questions here. Uh, Kurt saying, all things considered, who were you personally most excited to see producing slash making plays on Sunday? Terrace Marshall Jr., Foreman or Trimble or someone else. Uh, Deontay Foreman, for sure. Like Watching what he did last year and helped Tennessee get the number one seed in the AFC, I thought he was phenomenal on Sunday. Him and Shiba Hubbard were both especially great on that drive, that three-play 77-yard drive they had in the third quarter that helped stretch the lead to 14-0. And now knowing that you have a combination of backs, now Chuba been dealing with the ankle issue, been out of practice on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see how things uh, work out for him throughout the rest of the week, at least today on Friday, and then if he's able to play on Sunday, which they had told us a week ago that if he, if it was the game was like still you know in doubt, they could have brought him back in. So we'll see how that works out. But Deontay Foreman's shown last season in Tennessee, as I mentioned, like he can tote the rock and he can be a solid player for you, and he should be the starting running back in my opinion. It's going to be by committee anyway. Steve Wilkes has said that, but I was really excited to see what he could do. 
cool to see Tommy Trimble get a catch. I still don't really buy into Tommy Trimble being like this great tight end receiving threat. We'll see. Uh, Terrace Marshall, good to see him out there making plays. Got to catch that ball in the first half. But overall, it was really cool to see. Now, one guy who I actually was really excited to see was Bradley Bozeman. And I had Brody and Kedrick both asking me, so Bozeman had the highest graded center rating in the league last Sunday. How much do you think that contributed to PJ's high QBR? And also have someone, uh, Kedrick, asking, Bozeman's impact considering this was his first week starting. Man, this can't be a coincidence. 180 yards rushing, only one sack. Bozeman called a better game as far as protections and continually blew his man off the ball. Rule failed us with his lineup, LOL. Yeah, well, Pat Offline played really well. And here's the thing about it. Bradley Bozeman got injured during the preseason. So when he went down, it was like a one to two week or two to three week ankle injury. He was back ready to go come week one. The Panthers were trying to lean on, you know, continuity. Yeah, Dickey in there at left tackle. Of course, Bradley Bozeman, Elfland at center, Corbett, and then Taylor Moten. So they were just wanting to stick with those, those five guys. So I was not surprised that week one that Pat Elfland was a starting center. I wasn't surprised that week two he was a starting center. And I was not surprised that throughout the season, as he was performing a lot better than he played a year ago at both guard and at center, that he stood there. Because the Panthers wanted to play the same line combination. After 13 to 17 games last year, they had a different starting offensive line combination. Sunday against Tampa Bay was the first time they had changed the offensive line combination because Elfline was injured. And hopefully moving forward, there will only be two different starting line combinations, barring that everyone stays healthy the rest of the way because Bozeman's going to be the starting center now that Elfline is on season-ending IR with that hip injury. So, yeah, Bozeman's a better player. He's a bigger player. He fits more what they want to do in running the football downhill. Ben McAdoo talked about that's what they want to do as far as that there being their identity. So Bozeman is a better fit for that, and he was phenomenal. He did give up that sack against Vita Vea, but that happens. Vita Vea is a really good player. And, yes, Brody, I do think that having Bradley Bozeman out there, who has more experience at center, who's played at a higher, better level than Pat Elfline, that that certainly attributed to P.J. Walker having a higher QBR because you have the run game, you have confidence in the guys in front of you, and you're able to execute the offense. Yeah, when you put a better offensive lineman in there, especially at a vital position like center, the quarterback's going to play better. And we saw that on Sunday afternoon as Bozeman was one of the keys to victory against the Buccaneers, and I think moving forward against Atlanta, as the Panthers are going to continue to want to run the football, he will once again be one of the keys to victory for this team the rest of the season. Um, over now to Pedro, who comes from Brazil, by the way. He said, now that CMC is out of here, should or even better, can the Panthers use DJ Moore as the 49ers use Debo Samuel, I believe, and the premise that you should give the ball to your playmakers, but Ben McAdoo's offense just seems to be basic for that. Love from Brazil and keep pounding. Yes, Pedro. Um yeah, like here's the thing. Ben Mackett is not Kyle Shanahan. I don't think he's going to use D, use DJ Moore in that way. Like they have done. I think they did like a – they tried to do like a reverse like last week. They, like when they've tried to do stuff like that, it hasn't really worked out this season. So I don't really look at Ben McAdoo trying to be like that inventive. So I don't know. It's necessarily think that they're going to use DJ Moore like that. And I also don't think that Ben McAdoo is like capable of using DJ Moore in the same way that Debo Samuel is used and Kyle Shanahan's offense there in San Francisco. And then Andy with the final question saying, what's a worse post-wedding Sunday plan? 6 a.m. direct flight or flight that leaves at 10 a.m. but has two stops and takes three times as long? I'm assuming that you did the latter there, Andy, because I tried to do the 6 a.m. direct flight out of Providence last Sunday morning that I missed. Woke up at 7 o'clock and I was like, damn, missed my flight. Fortunately, I was able to get on a 9.55 direct to Charlotte. Got me here right at 12 o'clock and I was back at home 15 minutes before kickoff. And that was a flight I should have gotten in the first place. I tried to be cheap. 
I had my original flight was not until like four o'clock in the afternoon. I knew I had to be back for the game. Moved it up earlier, paid thirty five dollars just to move it to the six AM. Didn't want to pay two fifteen to move it to the nine. Ended up having to pay that $200 in the end because I had to change it because I missed my second leg of my flight. So, yeah, probably would not do the 6 a.m. direct flight again. I would just pony up the 200 bucks like I had to do in the end and get a flight that I was actually capable of making. And also, like, the money. A direct flight, I'll pay whatever. If it's if you're telling me I got to take make one stop, two stops, no chance. Not at all. I'm always going to pay whatever it costs to fly direct because it is awful Last summer, went to uh, Lake Tahoe for a bachelor party, and it was the longest travel day of my life because I had one layover in Dallas, and it was all hell breaking loose there because there was a ton of American flights getting canceled and barely got – I mean, got home at like 2 a.m. And fortunately, I used the parking spot because had I not done that, there was like a line of 40 or 50 people trying to get a taxi. This is still – that was back in 2021 when there were still people not really driving Uber in Lyft yet. So – Thank God I didn't do that, but I learned that day. Take a red eye, take a direct flight, do whatever it takes to get out of there. Do not take layovers. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked on Panthers. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Again, y'all make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked on Panthers YouTube channel. This Sunday, I am working with NASCAR, so we'll not be going live directly after the game. Probably going to go live at some point Sunday evening after I'm able to watch the game. Always hate not being able to watch it live or at least right away. So we'll get that out to you as soon as I can on Sunday. Uh, again, if you ever miss the live show on YouTube, you can always check it out later on YouTube. You can always check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the show. And make sure, again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Either at me or DM me on Twitter to participate in next week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to you all on Sunday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.